You're listening to the Influencer Podcast, episode number 64. So I have something exciting and new to share with you today. I have a free masterclass on pitching, and I want to invite you to it. During this jam-packed masterclass, you get access to my five steps for helping bloggers and influencers like you land paid brand collaborations, media coverage, and negotiate better deals. This free masterclass gives you the confidence, email sample copy, negotiation skills, and actual rate tips that you can start charging for blogs, social media posts, YouTube videos, or however you want to best give content to your hard-earned audience. It is the fastest way you can get paid for your influence, hands down. And by linking arms to join me in the masterclass as I spill my secrets, puts you in the same crew with influencers just like Peyton Baxter, who used these strategies in her first year of blogging to explode her Instagram following from 7,000 to 40,000, generate upwards of four to 5,000 a month on brand deals, and even DIY negotiate a $5,500 brand deal with her dream company. Another podcast listener, Elle Valera, said that since listening to the free masterclass, she already landed $1,100 in events, hosting, and sponsorships in less than a month. So if you've ever felt like you maybe could muster up the courage to hit send on an email pitch to a brand, you really will not want to miss this masterclass. You can sign up at pitchitperfect.net forward slash webinar. Again, that's pitchitperfect.net forward slash webinar. Before we dive in, I want to give my warm appreciation to our reviewer of the week, and that is M. Wood 3. And she says, this is by far one of the most insightful podcasts. If you are an influencer, building a brand, have your own business, or want to be an all-around best version of yourself, this podcast is a must. I've learned so much from our episodes with all of the guests. Well, thank you so much for that lovely review. I so appreciate you sharing your thoughts and your feedback. And of course, I want to hear from more of you who listen in each week. So make sure to subscribe to the Influencer Podcast on iTunes. Give us a review so I can highlight your review in an upcoming episode. Make sure to screenshot this episode on your phone and tag me on your Instagram story at Joel Solomon and hashtag the Influencer Podcast to let me know that you're joining in today, as you know that I love to share those screenshots on my story too. This week, we're bringing major girl boss vibes with the one and only Jacqueline Johnson, CEO of Create and Cultivate. Jacqueline is constantly surrounded by inspiring women in the influencer space and has such a fascinating journey as a young businesswoman in our field. She's as smart and hardworking as they come, and there are so many takeaways for influencers and millennial women in this episode. Stay tuned. Welcome to the Influencer Podcast. Each week, Julie Solomon, a marketing strategist and New York Times bestselling publicist, takes you behind the scenes with successful influencers, bloggers, and industry elites in conversation to share how they engage, persuade, and grow their unique influence. Her mission is to share exclusive insider tips, wisdom, and action-based tools to help you strengthen, monetize, and build your own industry-leading influence. If you're a female in the creative space, you've likely heard of the uber-successful Create and Cultivate conference and website, which Jacqueline Johnson is the CEO of. Create and Cultivate hosts influencers and brands from around the world while giving women the tools that they need to create and cultivate the career of their dreams. The conference gathers curious creatives, entrepreneurs, and girl bosses to spark conversation around the topics they are passionate about and has become one of the fastest growing conferences for millennial women. 
Prior to Create and Cultivate, Jacqueline founded her first company, a creatively driven marketing and influencer and events agency. And y'all, she was only 23 years old. Clearly, the girl is a creative force with business on the brain and motivation to boot. And I cannot wait for you to hear her story today and also hear when she shares her effective and honest tools with all of us today. Let's do it. Hello, Jacqueline. It is so great to have you on today. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you for having me. Yes, of course. I know this one's been a long time coming. Um, We've been having this pre-conversation to have this conversation for a while now. And, um, you know, life and business and conferences happen. And so I'm glad that that we're able to finally do this today and to dive in. I know that we have a lot of listeners who are part of your Create and Cultivate community who have gone to um, your annual conferences and then even the pop-ups that you do around the country. So it's really exciting to have you here today to chat. Well, thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. Yes. So um, I want to start out by asking you, what does influence mean to you? Uh, Influence is like, you know, I think it's funny because like a lot of people have conversations around like influencers in general and influence. But I think with influence for me, it's anyone who has a particular uh, way of uh, influencing people, whether it's from product, whether it's from uh, you know, kind of like opportunity or ideas. Like I think influence gets stuck in the numbers game, you know, where it's like people who have a lot of followers or people who are, who are really tuning into their every word is an influencer. But for me, I think influence is the impact you have on the people around you. I love that. I would agree too. Um, so I know that, um, obviously you work with a lot of influencers through Create and Cultivate from speaking to integrating them into campaigns. I would love to kind of hear before like how this kind of works, like how Create and Cultivate even came about. Um, You know, when did you have the idea? When did you start really taking action on it? And then how did it really evolve into being what it is today? Yeah. So for me, you know, it's really interesting. So I had a company when I was 23 called No Subject. It was an influencer marketing and events agency. Um, I had that company for several years um, and was in this quote unquote influencer space very early on um, back when no one was called an influencer, it was really just bloggers. Um, and yeah, and I was able to see that space sort of evolve and um, sort of grow. And I was lucky to be a part of it early on. You know, I had a, I had a blog called Some Notes on Napkins in the early internet days and um, was able to sort of network network with some of the the real first, you know, I call them like OG influencers online, um, and kind of grow alongside the movement that was this entire community and and really see how it moves and grows and changed over time. You know, from when brands weren't paying attention to you at all to when brands were dying for you to do anything. Um, so you know, it's really been an amazing evolution to kind of see and be a part of. And then um, you know. Create and Cultivate really started um, not as like an influencer event, really just getting together uh, groups of entrepreneurs, female entrepreneurs to kind of come together, talk about what, you know, their problems were, what they're, what they were excited about, you know, how they were really operating in this new landscape and world, um, you know, with little to no experience and then how we could all help and support each other. Um, And influencers were just a natural part of that conversation, you know, just one from people I knew and that I was friends with, but also, you know. I think a lot of the times people look at bloggers and influencers and, and we run into this even at Crane Cultivate where, you know, we'll be working with a brand and they'll say like, oh, we want less bloggers, more entrepreneurs. And it's so frustrating because it's like, 
No, these girls are entrepreneurs. They have multiple product lines, licensing deals, um, obviously are making um, a lot of money off their sponsored content and their, you know, influence in general. And so, um, you know, for me, that was just a natural extension of the community of Create and Cultivate. And um, how, or I guess what makes Create and Cultivate and really what you're cultivating um, different than some of the other conferences or communities or influencer um, integrations out there? Yeah, I mean, I think the the create and cultivate like special sauce is definitely like the community we've built. Like, you know, we've been doing this since early 2000, 2010, 2011. Um, you know, we didn't set out to um, build this business, you know, as a, um, you know, multi-million dollar venture backed company. It's completely bootstrapped. It's completely self-funded. And I think our community sees the heart in that and sees sees the journey alongside their journey um, and can relate to that. Um, so I think it's, it's, you know, that's what's really set us apart is, is the tone and, and the quality and sort of the blood, sweat and tears that goes into, you know, building this business alongside these women. I love that. Um, And I would agree. I mean, I think that some of the amazing feedback that you have gotten over the years and just how much it's grown over the years is really from what you just said Um, and people really being able to see that and connect with it. And um, as we mentioned before, I know that you work with influencers through CNC from speaking and then to integrating them into campaigns. How does this work for someone, an influencer who may be listening today and would love the idea uh, of potentially working with Create and Cultivate in the future, whether it be via speaking or through campaigns? How would that process work? Yeah, totally. I mean, we're always looking for uh, influencers, uh, for micro-influencers. Reach out, 100% reach out to us, you know, every day to learn about someone new who I maybe have never heard of who has like 100,000 followers. And I'm like, what? Where have you been? Like, this is so awesome. And then on the flip side, like, you know, working with, um, you know, entrepreneurs that maybe have a smaller following, but an incredible product. Um, we're constantly looking for new and exciting um, women to be in touch with. And, you know, we're starting a new feature called um, Work Party Starter Wednesdays on our Work Party Instagram, which we're really excited about. We're featuring small business owners. So honestly, like reach out, tell us your stories, you know, share your handle. Um, and and we'd love we'd love to keep you in, in our files and in, in our thoughts, like when we're putting together these campaigns and programs. That's so cool. Um, how do you, I would love to kind of be walked through the, the, um, the process of figuring out how you're going to bring together the huge annual, um, com- I, I call it a conference. I don't know if that's what you call, you call it, but the, the annual conference that you put together, um, from who your key- keynote's going to be to really kind of the topics that may be discussed at the panels and kind of bringing all of that together. Um, could you give us a little behind the scenes peek into all of that? Yeah, totally. So basically the way it sort of starts is we, as uh, you know, our staff comes together and we put together all the different panel topics for the conference. And we really go back and forth on what is relevant to entrepreneurs currently, what's relevant to influencers and content creators, what's relevant to anyone with a side hustle that maybe wants to take that side hustle full time. Like what is the information and tools they need? And like oftentimes that falls into larger categories and buckets from fundraising to marketing, um, to the influencer economy, to monetizing your content. Like 
these larger buckets are obviously always in the mix, but we're always thinking about how we can tweak and make them more relevant to what's happening currently. Um, so we put together those panels first and foremost. Um, and, you know, it really is a, a combination of finding local amazing women from the communities that we're in. Um, you know, so whether that's Miami or Atlanta or Los Angeles, like bringing in that local talent and then obviously bringing in some bigger names that, that we, you know, want to like kind of draw and, and create excitement about for the local audience as well. Um, so we're constantly like, you know, thinking through like what we think is relevant and, and interesting. Um, and then for our keynotes, you know, we obviously have like a gigantic wish list of people. Um, we don't get everyone to say yes, of course, but we work on those conversations so far in advance and they are like labors of love to get those things to happen. I mean, Kim Kardashian is a great example. You know, we'd been talking to her for close to two and a half, three years before we were able to get her to be a keynote, which was amazing. I mean, obviously you can imagine their schedules are quite busy. Um, so, so, you know, that was such a, a labor of love to make that happen. It was such an exciting moment for us, but um, it definitely, you know, is hard work and lots of follow-ups and lots of, um, lots of emails, but it's definitely worthwhile. Well, and I love that you mentioned that because it really kind of goes back to the idea of, you know, when you have an idea, when you want to work with someone, when you, you know, send them the idea, pitch them, essentially, you may not get a yes immediately, but that doesn't mean that it's going to be a no. It may just take a little bit of time, right? Like you, you were able to, you know, get Kim to come this year, even though you have been reaching out to her for three years now. Yeah, exactly. I mean, my team like will joke that I'm like the queen of the follow up. I'm like, I will follow up with you until you tell me to stop emailing you. Like literally, I follow up, follow up, follow up. And like, honestly, like I've had times where I followed up with someone literally probably for like the sixth or seventh time. And then they'll be like, okay, cool, let's work together. It's like, you really, you know, as someone who gets a, a ton of emails, I things fall through the cracks. Um, and sometimes when people follow up, I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe I forgot to respond to that email. Um, so, you know, I think it's just a symptom of like the busy economy and like being able to have that persistence and, and, and be in someone's inbox, like not in a crazy psycho way, but like in a way that is like, I really want this to happen. Like that's how, that's honestly how you make it happen. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. And just kind of reminding those listening that you do have a follow-up is important. It's, it's actually, I think some even more important than the initial, you know, reach out in my opinion. I agree because it really is all about timing. And so it's like, you you might not get that person at the right time, but if you fall up a few weeks later, it might be the right time. So, um, you know, I really think that's definitely part of it. Absolutely. Um, So I asked you before we got on to chat about what kind of tools or techniques um, have you or the clients that you've worked with used to really grow the awareness and what you said was minding and grinding. Um, So what does mind and grind mean to you and what does that look like to you in terms of how you've been able to grow and sustain? Yeah, totally. So this was something that I definitely would tell all my clients like at my old company for sure, especially when like social media was just starting. But um, I mean, it's so funny because like everyone's like, how do I get a million followers? How do I grow my community? Um, You know, something that's like always been really successful for my clients and, and even with Create and Cultivate is finding like-minded communities online or, or people on Instagram, for instance, that are similar to you, have a similar ethos, et cetera. Um, and then following their followers or commenting on their followers, uh, Instagram posts and engaging with them like over time. And then obviously they'll eventually look at your site. And then if they're, if they're already following sites that are similar to yours, like there's a likelihood that they will follow you back. Um, so it's really just that it really is a lot of work transparently. It's like, 
a, definitely a grind. Um, but you, you know, it's really just like, I, I mean, think about yourself. Like I know for me, if someone comments on my photo, I'm more apt to go look at their profile, um, than I am if someone just likes something. Right. Cause it's like, I don't get to see all those like, you know, likes when they come in but comments I read. So I'm able to get that like level of engagement where I'm able to kind of explore like, who is this person? Like, what are they all about? So really getting those comments on people's pages that are similar to the community that you're trying to build can be really successful. And we've seen a lot of success in that sense. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, that's definitely something that's you could do yourself. Um, it's just, it really is just a matter of time and energy, but, um, I think you can see some real success. Thanks for that. Um, I agree. And I think that it's just kind of a, it's a good reminder to everyone listening that it's, it's not, you know, it's not one size fits all. There's not like there's this, you know, one secret formula or, or secret sauce or secret kind of way to do one thing. It really does take time and patience and resource, resourcefulness and really kind of um, testing a bunch of different things out. And so I love that you kind of, you know, reminded us today of just what that mining grind can look like and then really the benefits of it if you stick with it. For sure. Um, yeah, 100%. Yeah. And so um, the other thing I wanted to talk to you about was um, challenges for a moment, because um, you had said to me that a big challenge that you see influencers face is being able to really show or determine their worth and their rates and their return on investment. So could you share with us kind of what what your experience has been with ROI and really being able to determine the worth and the rates and then give us some some examples if you can on how we can try to show this more effectively. Yeah, totally. So I think like, you know, the internet landscape has been for a very long time, like the wild, wild west. There's no like predetermined rate sheet or regard where you can kind of reference like, okay, that like, you know, the way paid media works, where it's like X amount of impressions is costing you X amount of dollars. Um, engagement goes into it, reach goes into it. If you have like specific, you know, data that shows like you, you can sell a lot of products, like all of those things that go into it. Right. And so, you know, we'll, you know, work with people or, or be in the mix of people who say they have, like have a hundred thousand followers. Someone with a hundred thousand followers could charge anywhere between, $1,000 for an Instagram post to like $20,000 for an Instagram post. And there's really no rhyme or reason, like, you know, kind of to why or how or what they're doing. Um, and I think, you know, it's interesting because um, there's absolutely benefit in working with influencers. I just think influencers are having a really hard time quantifying um, their reach and, and what they're doing when they're when they're working with brands. Um, so it's so important, and, and this is something we did with Crate and Cultivate right away, was um, we created um, a ton of case studies. So, you know, really looking at, like, what we were able to provide early on, whether it's a follow-to-follow -follow ratio of, like, people who, once we posted and tagged, and how many people followed them, to a sell-through rate. So obviously, if there's a product that you're pushing and there's like a bump in sales. Um, and then honestly, engagement and comments and being able to kind of focus on that. And I think, you know, Instagram's been really great because their analytics tools are finally catching up to um, kind of the times. And so you're able to really be able to deliver on those analytics um, more effectively and easily, whereas before there was really nothing um, that could really showcase that in, in a really easy way, um, besides obviously like a link in bio type situation. But, you know, I think, um, you know, there's been a lot of articles coming out recently and we've been like looking at them where it's like, you know, the, the average industry rate is, um, you know, for every hundred thousand followers, you have a $1,000, 
um, Instagram posts. And then there's like plus up. So it's like you plus up for an Instagram story. So you plus up for a swipe up. You plus up um, if it's original photography. Um, you plus up if the brand plans to regram it. So, um, you know, I think that's kind of an interesting way to look at it is like all these different, you know, what your baseline rate is and like really what your time is worth to obviously get the image taken, you know, program the shot, get the content created. Um, and then obviously all the different ways you can kind of enhance that experience from the, the Instagram story, the regram, all these different like kind of ways you can kind of add to it. Um, I think it's kind of the, where people are netting out and seeing the most, um, you know, effectiveness in terms of being able to work with brands in a paid capacity. I loved how you just explained that. That was so good. I think that what you, you just said, it's so easy to understand. And I hope that everyone listening, like even if you need to rewind that and listen to it again, you totally should because the way that you just explained that was just direct and and just it made so much sense. And I think that a lot of people get very tripped up on this whole ROI thing or, you know, how how do I know how much I should charge or what is my value or what is my worth? And I love the really tactical examples that you just gave there. So thank you so much. That was awesome. Um, the one one thing I want to kind of dive into um, is to kind of end, end our challenges and really kind of um, what we saw last year in 2017 and that now that we're already like a, a full quarter in and more with 2018, um, some challenges that we're dealing with with saturation. And um, it's you can't even really kind of overcome it because it is it is what it is. But do you see any any things anything that may be coming to kind of help those stick out among the saturation, whether it be the use of more digital content, using Instagram stories more, um, the fact that Instagram's API has changed, like whatever it may be, do you see any kind of changes coming that are going to be able to help influencers stick out among the saturation a little bit more or what influencers can do to try to ride that wave a little bit more effectively? Yeah, I mean, I definitely, I mean, yeah, look, like everyone, there's so many influencers out there. There's so many people creating content. There's so many people that are doing amazing things. But I think, you know, six years ago, you could replicate what was working and catch on and and see that success. I don't think that's possible anymore. Um, What I think is a good strategy is being more niche. Um, So being niche in what you're talking about. And so that doesn't just mean like fashion or beauty. It's like, it's beauty with like a slant on natural beauty. And I only do X things and I only work with X products or like, I like only like talk about um, children and children's clothes, or I only talk about being in Los Angeles or whatever it is, like finding these very niche specific you know, kind of categories and looks and feels. And I I even feel like, you know, um, there's been a lot of influencers lately that are just posting in this like orange gradient kind of tone. And like, that's been really taking off and that look and that feel and like really owning something unique to you, I think is really important. Um, because it is really hard to stand out. And I do think Instagram stories has a lot to do with it. I mean, people are tuning in in droves to these women kind of putting on basically like mini TV shows, um, but also creating consistency in your content. So like every Wednesday I go live and I do this and every Monday I like tune in, um, and do this. And like, you know, I think like there's fun things you can participate in like mass Monday that a lot of people do and you can hashtag it and be part of that community. And like, I really think it's like, really dialing into what's working for other people, putting your own spin on it, and then creating consistency amongst your content is kind of the best strategy. And trying to get in on a platform early is obviously a great, great way to be part of it as well. And speaking of platforms and and really trying to be able to to get in on that, and, and especially with micro influencers, um, 
and being more creative. And you just gave some great examples with that. Um, why, why do you think the micro influencer is, is such a unique, um, type of influencer in terms of being able to engage so beautifully and convert so beautifully. And I would love if you had any examples of successful campaigns that you've either been a part of or that you've seen from micro influencers and and why those were so successful. Yeah, totally. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think micro influencers are amazing because I think it's a couple different things. So one, it's great for smaller brands, um, that like maybe don't have massive budgets to be able to engage, um, with women who are very targeted to their specific demographics and who have women that follow them that are very targeted to those specific demographics in a way that one won't break the, break the bank. Oftentimes people are willing to work with you in exchange for product. Um, you know, and just kind of get that, you know, repost in there to grow their communities. Um, you know, I think there's um, a lot of value in micro influencers. I know for us, like we um, love our micro influencer community and like the women that follow create and cultivate and that are part of it. And like, they're always, they're such a huge part of our success as much so as like the larger influencers. Um, but you know, me personally, like I've definitely worked on campaigns with brands, you know, I, 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 qualify, I guess, as a micro influencer on my personal site. Um, But, you know, I think there's a lot of value in like the sense that a good example is like Rent the Runway. I worked with them for four months. They or maybe it was a little bit longer, but they gave me a free unlimited membership. And um, I was honestly obsessed with it. Like I I never had used this service before. And I I was like, okay, cool. Like, that's a cool thing. And they're like, you just have to post about it once a month. I was like, that's easy for me. I'm always like, obviously wearing like new outfits and getting photographed. So I used it. I loved it. I definitely turned at least 10 people onto it, a few girls on my team, because it's so easy and great for events. Um, And now I pay for the service, right? So it's like, that's a perfect example of like, um, a partnership that was really organic. Um, I loved and that I was like happy to promote for zero payment. It was literally just for the service itself. Um, So that was, I mean, I think that was a really good use of their time. And I also saw all my friends doing it as well, like fellow entrepreneurs, like that had the same amount of followers as me participating in that campaign. So they were clearly targeting busy female entrepreneurs, which was super smart. It's an easy way, you know, we're not, you know, full-time content creators. So for us, but it's easy to be able to wear those outfits and test that service in a way that's authentic to what they're trying to do. Mm, that's great. And um, I, I love the example that you gave of how you, you kind of started doing this with no comp- uh, compensation. And then as the relationship grew, you know, you saw how that evolved. So I loved that example as well. Um, I want to shift gears a little bit to talk more about um, owning a business, growing a business, um, being an entrepreneur. And I know that you mentioned earlier, and I love that you said this was, um, you know, you kind of had to really educate companies or brands on seeing bloggers as entrepreneurs. You know, they would say, well, we don't want the blogger or the YouTube, we want the entrepreneur. And you're like, well, they are, <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like, it's all one and the same. And I say that a lot too with, with, with influencers and, um, you know, to me, an influencer, you know, is someone that should be striving or is striving to to build a legitimate entrepreneurial business out of their influence. Um, and a lot of them have. So I would love to know what when it comes to growing a business, what is the biggest lesson that you have learned over the past five, five years since or even, I guess, seven or eight now at this point, since kind of the conception of, of your idea of Create and Cultivate and where it's gone now? Um, God, there's so much. I mean, I would say like, number one is like, it gets easier and you get better. Um, you know, it's, it's definitely being an entrepreneur is in itself a, 
a ebb and flow, high and low experience always, no matter how successful you are. Um, failure is always part of the journey. Mistakes happen. And I think in my early years, I was so hard on myself when things went wrong um, and was sort of like, well, that's it. Like I'm done for. And I think like, obviously as I've gotten older and run like now a couple different businesses, like I've, I'm able to like put out fires, like I joke, like left and right. Like you're able to just tackle the problems, come up with the solutions and like move on. Um, but one thing I always tell, you know, kind of entrepreneurs that are starting out is to, you know, take your creativity seriously. I think women especially, you know, like to be like, oh, I have this little project or like, oh, I'm working on this little thing. And, um, you know, I think we always downplay the things that we're, you know, trying to are that are we're actually very excited about and trying to make into a real thing into like a little project or a little thing and I always tell people like own that take your you know creativity seriously put serious like thought and in, in, into that business and it will become a serious business like if you're not taking it seriously um no one else will so I think it's just really important about taking that next step I mean Create and Cultivate wasn't a business for many years it was a side project it was just something I did it lost money it, like it cost me money to throw it I just did it because I loved building that community and then the moment I said, well, hey, maybe this is something and treated it like a business, it became a business. So that's just something that I always sort of tell um, tell women. And is that how you were able to kind of look at it? Because you are a great example of someone who was a micro-influencer, as you mentioned before. You had a blog and you were able to really turn it into – you were able to create products and services from it um, and conferences from it and really – create a legitimate business out of it. Did you ever have the mindset to do that? Or was it something that was kind of just, you know, as you grew as an influencer, like that's where it was shifting for you? Yeah. I mean, I think it's, I think it was a perfect storm of a couple different things. I think it was the fact that like my background was in helping other brands build their businesses. So, you know, for so long I was matching up brands with influencers. I was throwing events for, I mean, I was throwing events for brands. Um, I was, you know, doing everything for someone else until basically someone said like, you know how to do that for everyone else. Just do it for yourself. And it was really just a wake up call where I was like, Oh my God, you're right. Like create and cultivate could be this brand that I build and do all the tactics that I'm telling all my clients to do for something that I actually own. Um, so that was really the pivot and the shift in the mindset when it came to starting the company and, and really starting to, you know, treat it like a business because, you know, I think it's sometimes we get stuck in the things that we know and know how to do. And like, you know, we don't want to necessarily take a risk. You know, for me, it was like, I never thrown conferences that were large scale. Um, you know, I wasn't, you know, I was working with influencers, but nowhere near the type of celebrities we were working with. Like it was all, a very new thing to jump into. It was something that I didn't, I knew how to run a marketing company. I didn't know how to run a brand, but I knew I had all the tools and information and the learnings from the past seven years to kind of take the leap and, and just see. Um, and it was like, you know, obviously one of the best decisions I've ever made. And it's really like, you know, kind of taking all of the different things I've learned, you know, what from the influencer side, from the brand side, from the marketing side, from the entrepreneurial side, and kind of combining those from my experience, it's kind of the best thing I ever did. Um, and I wanted to ask you too, um, because you, you, you're mentioned, I just, I love to hear the evolution of, of, of entrepreneurs and, and how you're growing. Um, from all of that, what has been your biggest fear about running a business and how do you kind of live, live with that, I guess, as you continue to grow and continue to have so much success too? Um, well, I mean, yeah. Um, I mean, fear is real. Like, I think, you know, I think the thing for me is like, I think the scariest thing 
uh, at least in my experience as an entrepreneur is, is employees. Like, you know, I think it's like, so it was so scary to have one employee and be responsible for one person's salary. And now it's like 12 people and 12 people's salary. And like all these people relying on you is it's a lot of pressure. Um, but it also can be what drives you, you know what I mean? So, um, I mean, my employees are basically like my family. I, I see them all the time. Like they're literally all like little sisters or big sisters and whatever. And it's, it's amazing and awesome. But you know, with that comes a lot of responsibility and, um, I definitely don't take that lightly. So, you know, there's always the fear of failure. It's always in the back of your mind, but it's also something that, you know, it's just, you have to be prepared to fail and iterate and change and move. And I think once you sort of accept that fear as like something that's just going to be part of your everyday existence as an entrepreneur, it actually becomes less and less scary. And I love that you brought up um, building a team and your employees uh, as a great example, because I was, I was, that was going to be my next question for you, because so many times when I get that question of like, um, you know, when did you know it was the right time to hire a team or how did you do that? And my thing is always like, well, first you have to get over that, that fear, right? The fear of spending the money, the fear of, of not hiring the right person, you know, that just the fear of all of those things. Um, because I think a lot of times that is what holds people back from really growing because I'm a firm believer that y- you can only grow to a certain ex- extent without having a-, a team and really having the right people in the right seats. You're going to hit a wall eventually. Um, and I'm sure that you you can attest to that. So I would love to know what that looked for looked like for you. When was when was the first year that you hired support, and how long had you been minding and grinding it by yourself? And um, and you mentioned twelve. So I was going to ask you how many team members do you have today, and how many are full time, and kind of what do they all do? Yeah, totally. So um, for you know for CNC, the first two hires we made were um, a producer and our editor. Um, who's now like our editor in chief now, but um, basically an editor. Um, and and it really was like, okay, I know how to do events. I have like people I can hire to do events. Okay, we need to create content twenty four seven. Okay, I need that person to be in here to help create that content. And then we had the producer. Then we realized, okay, social media is a beast. We need a social media manager. So that was like the third hire. Um, and then from there, you know, what we've really done and and kind of grown into is how so taking a step back, like what are the verticals of the business? Like what are the different pipelines that all sort of ladder back to me as like the CEO? And that's really the events. It's the, it's the marketing team and it's the editorial team. So from there, we really were able to bring on three senior people to head up each different vertical. So, so a senior person to run production, a senior person to run marketing and a senior person to run editorial. Um, and then we basically built teams underneath those three people. So, um, productions obviously our biggest, uh, p- part of the pie essentially because events are our bread and butter. Um, and then marketing under that, um, since social media and, um, you know, obviously content creation and marketing is, is the other part of that. And then editorial, um, you know, we're, we're working on growing that piece of the business as well. Um, and then more recently brought on a vice president to really oversee and run the operation like the day to day, um, which was a really obviously big hire and really exciting hire, um, you know, for me, because, um, you know, basically I was like, am and still am in many ways, like in the weeds of like the everyday details. And, you know, like you said, to grow, you have to be able to step away and see like the bigger picture and be able to, um, you know, really kind of, um, be able to visualize and see down the line, like six months and, um, you know, we have a PR firm on retainer that we've worked with for many years. That's awesome. Um, so, um, you know, and then we work with 
a bunch of freelancers as well. So, you know, I think it's, it's that core team you need. And then you, you know, again, plus up where you need to, um, in the, in the different areas where you might not have as much support. And I love that you mentioned that of like, you know, you finally got to that place that you as the CEO, there's, there's only so much integrating you can do if like, you're trying to also be the visionary, right? And so it's like, you do need that support. So I'm sure that hiring that director of operations definitely helps you. I've, I've always been told, um, that like the number one goal of a CEO should be, should be like, how can I replace myself out of, out of this like integration side, you know, so I can just be full on visionary. Um, and I think that, um, you know, the more that entrepreneurs and CEOs in specific, in specific can, can do that, um, you know, the more potential that they have for overall growth of their, of their business. Um, so thank you for, for laying out your verticals and how you hire a team. I know that people always find that so interesting and, um, I appreciate you sharing that with us. Um, I wanted to talk about create and cultivate 100 for a moment because, um, I just noticed it for the first time. I think it was last year. I don't know how many years you've been doing it, but, um, uh, we've had quite a few of the people that were on it this past year on the podcast. Um, Denise Fassi, Marie Forleo, Ali Webb, to name a few. Um, I would love for you to share with our uh, listeners what Create Cultivate 100 is and how it came about. Yeah, so our, that was our second year doing it this past year. Um, so the Create and Cultivate 100 list is 100 women across 10 different categories that we honor yearly. Um, and it's everything from fashion, beauty, entrepreneurship, STEM, uh, you know, it really runs a gamut in terms of the categories. And we really feature everyone that you know and love, like women you've absolutely heard of, like a Lauren Conrad or a Mandy Moore or someone like that. Um, and then we also feature women that you may not have heard of and that are sort of, sort of more up and coming. Um, and the way the 100 list came about was, you know, we wanted to, you know, lists are obviously such a fun thing. I was on the Forbes 30 under 30 list. It like really helped change and, and, and really launch my career in many ways. Um, so I think like, you know, I think lists are really important and being able to honor women in general were very important. I just didn't see that out there. Like, I didn't feel like there was many lists that were focused on women that weren't just necessarily like all celebrities or all people you've heard of over and over again. And, and in categories that don't get a lot of love, like STEM and philanthropy. Um, so I was like, how can we highlight interesting and cool women um, and really like create this like, you know, awesome franchise for ourselves where we get to bring in a hundred awesome women into our community every year. And then the way it works is we actually tap the community from the year before to nominate people. So it's part nominations from past list uh, members and then part crowdsourcing from our community and then part internally um, creating the list together. So it's a really fun project. I mean, it's, it's, it's a lot of work. We do a hundred interviews on the site um, it's super fun and amazing, but it's also just like, you know, one of those things where we're like, oh, this is like so much, you know, but it's, it's always, um, a really fun and exciting, um, success once it's done. I love that. Um, and I love that you have like the former 100s that can kind of come in and voice their, their thoughts too. That's super cool. Um, yeah. so before we wrap this up, um, I wanted to ask you one more question. For someone um, who has maybe never been to Create and Cultivate, um, what would you hope that someone who has been would say about Create and Cultivate to the person who has not been there? Oh, my God. I mean, I, I would hope that people would say it was worth every penny for people who attend the conference. That's something that we definitely strive for. I mean, I think for me, it's like we haven't changed our ticket prices like ever um, since we started. And and it's something that I'm really um, looking to, to never change, hopefully. 
um, basically because, you know, for us, it's really about giving women the tools to uh, create and cultivate the career of their dreams. So, you know, I really hope that people leave and, and you know, if it, our goal is that people leave um, entertained, enlightened and inspired um, to go out into the world. So um, hopefully we're doing all those things um, as people attend and um, hopefully they pass that along. And that's the sort of sentiment they walk away with. And what should we expect to see coming up this year for the remainder of 2018 for Create and Cultivate and then on into next year, the big stuff to to get excited about? Yeah, so this year we have um, our next stop is New York City. We're doing a beauty summit there May 5th. Um, we'll be announcing our next big city conference on May 7th, so stay tuned for that. Um, we also so um, I'm going on my book tour um, later this year uh, for my new book, Work Party, which is coming out in August, which is super exciting. And um, that'll be, you know, going to multiple cities, 10 different cities. Um, we'll also be launching a podcast, which is really exciting um, as well. Yes, we'll have to have you on. Um, and yeah, and, and really just like, those are some of the bigger events we have going on. We definitely have something happening in December. Stay tuned. Um, and then our next conference, um, which will be in August. So lots going on. Uh, for us this year. And then next year, again, just starting to work on that 100 list um, and a few big cities in the mix. That is awesome. I'm so excited for the podcast. I saw when it was announced, I guess a couple of months ago, or at least a month ago now, and then as well with the book. So congratulations for that. As a former book publicist, I used to work at HarperCollins, like I totally nerd out when people are like creating books and and getting to do um, book launches. It's just so fun. So congrats on that. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate that. Of course. So if you're listening today and you want to dive deeper into this conversation with Jacqueline or hear more about Create and Cultivate, make sure to check out the show notes as well um, as more information that we're going to have over on the influencerpodcast.com. We'll make sure to leave all of the amazing links there and all of that good stuff. And of course, where you can follow them. And Jacqueline, if you can let us know where we can follow you and Create and Cultivate on all the things social. Yes. So I am at Jacqueline R. Johnson, J-A-C-L-Y-N-R Johnson, and it's at Create, Cultivate, and at Work Party. So yeah, follow along. Thanks. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. And um, we look forward to seeing the book and the podcast coming out very soon. Thank you. Wanting more insights? Well, good, because more is waiting for you within our Influencer Podcast Facebook group. The group is a fabulous place to dive deeper into each episode with myself and other listeners and to receive exclusive bonuses relating to the show. We'd love to have you there. So visit facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash the Influencer Podcast to be a part of this wonderful community. Are you ready to create your own industry-leading influence? For show notes, downloads, and action-based tips, head to www.theinfluencerpodcast.com where you can find out more about this week's episode, guest, and our host, Julie Solomon. If you enjoyed this week's episode, please take a minute to go to iTunes and leave a review so we can help other influencers like yourself build their own successful business.